You're listening to the regular podcast from Pete the Vet's blog. This was first broadcast on East Coast FM. Our vet, Pete Weatherburn, is here. Good morning to you, Pete. Good morning, Declan. Welcome into the summer sunshine. We missed you last week. Yes, I was um, up to my eyes doing vet work last week for a change. That's oh, a funny thing, isn't really? it? There's something. <laughs> some, it's nice to do something different, Pete. Anyway, Pete is here from uh, Bray Veterinary Clinic, which is on Old Connor in Bray. A new superstore with a separate cattery and everything in there. Wow. Listen, the question came in last week when you weren't here and I said I'd mention it to do it this week, if you don't mind. Uh, can you ask Pete the vet? That must be you, Pete the part-time vet. Pete the vet, uh, how soon I should bring out my my dog on a lead. I have a 10-week-old Labrador. I was told by the breeder four to five months is soon enough. No. I think, though, it's a long time to wait. Soon as possible. The, 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 there's a critical period when dogs' brains are receptive to new experiences and accepting of new experiences. And you have to get a dog, a young dog, used to as much as possible during that period. And that period starts when they're quite young, at four or five or six weeks of age, but it finishes when they're quite young as well. It finishes around, let's say, 14 weeks. So what that means is that you have to get puppies out and about, meeting as much as possible of the experiences that they will meet later in their life when they're as young as possible. So um, guide dogs for the blind, for example, they take their dogs out on the streets when they're um, you know like seven or eight weeks of age before they're even fully vaccinated because it's so important that guide dogs are um, completely bomb proof when it comes to to um, traffic they have to be very familiar and comfortable with traffic so they get them out there when they're that young they accept there's a very small risk they'll pick up a, one of the viruses that you do vaccinate against and I wouldn't say that for most for most puppy owners you have to be very cautious about doing that you know you'd have to um, follow your vet's advice as to when your puppy is able to go out from the point of view of being protected against viruses. But as soon as that day comes along, you should get out on the streets with your dog on a leash. And indeed, even before that, even if there is a small risk because they're not fully vaccinated yet, you should carry a pup in your arms on a pavement up and down so they get used to so seeing cars go by. Yeah. Very good. Now, Pete, I hope Pat got what he wanted out of that. Heat. It was very mm. clammy. It's very overheated. I think mm. the message has gone out about leaving the pets in the cars, especially dogs yeah. where they can suffocate. But mm. there's other considerations. Yeah, I mean, we still see cases of heat stroke in perhaps unexpected ways. And um, a classic example is a, um, a, a, a big... Um, black dog that I saw in the last week and the dog was had collapsed and wouldn't get up and um, there was no, the dog hadn't been anywhere hot hadn't been exercising in the sun, hadn't been doing anything in particular but it was a very very warm day and um, when we took the dog's temperature the temperature was very very high so um, what I think we're learning is that some animals, some specific animals especially big animals because their body produces quite a lot of heat just in its general functioning with the muscles and so on and also dark animals because they absorb heat much more easily than white animals that tend to reflect heat so big dark animals are very prone to getting overheated and it's not always obvious to owners and I think this is a big issue and if it's not dealt with promptly it can become a vicious circle because the dogs in the in the in the warm area, and it could be in the house or it could be outside, but wherever they are, it's 
just a bit too warm and because they can't lose heat effectively because panting is a very limited way of losing heat and that's the only way dogs can lose heat because they can't lose heat effectively their temperature is going up and up and up more heat has been absorbed through their dark coloured body than is, get, than is being emitted through their tongue and so it's like a vicious circle of, of increasing heat increasing heat, increasing heat and so what you need to do is get pets like that cool down really effectively but the difficult thing I think for owners is how to spot that that's going on at all um, because how, how do you know that's you know, how do you know, how do you know your pet's not just feeling a bit tired and sleepy, how do you know they've got a high temperature and that, that I think is quite a challenge mm. So you've got to be aware is that it? when it's hot for you, it's hot for them Yes, exactly. If you're feeling hot and uncomfortable, your pet will be too. And if there's any doubt, I would really say to you, look, just um, most people have a vet within a 15-minute drive to them. Even just nip down to your vet and say, can you take my dog's temperature? And a nurse even would be, a vet nurse would be able to take a dog's temperature just to, to reassure you. Because that's the only way that you can tell is by taking a dog's temperature. And um, for most people, most people are a bit uncomfortable at doing that. It's not something that they'd be used to doing. Although I think that, you know, there are some pet owners that we actually train to take the dog's temperature. For example, if somebody's got a pregnant bitch um, and she's due to have puppies, we'll train them to take the dog's temperature twice a day because immediately before the puppies start to come, um, the bitch's temperature drops down a couple of degrees. So it's a really, really good way of predicting when puppies are about to arrive. Um, so I suppose there'd be a strong argument that we should perhaps be supplying owners of large, dark dogs with temperatures, with thermometers, so they can take, they can, on, on warm days, they can regularly check their pet's temperature. And that would be probably, I think, quite sensible. And a good dousing be. them in water or something like that. Well, you, you see, that's... <laughs> dousing them in water is a great thing to do if you know that their temperature's too high, but if they just got a normal temperature and there's something else that's causing them to fly <laughs> around, you know, it's the last thing you'd want to do to them. So, I, um, you know, um, funny enough, thermometers have changed, Declan. used to be really easy to buy a cheap thermometer, one of these, you know, with glass mercury thermometers but they're, they're history now you can't get those anymore so you're down to digital thermometers which are quite you know relatively expensive and um you know you have to have one that's designed for well dogs rather than um putting you know human forehead ones What's don't the correct work temperature for a dog it's not 96.4 it, no it's, 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 it's normally it's warmer than humans it's about 100 and 2.5 degrees Fahrenheit. That's the normal. Yeah, so, you know, and don't panic if your dog's got... Uh, if your machine tells you the dog's at high temperature, well, if it had a human, it'd always have a high temperature. You know, if it had a... If, if you if you applied dog temperature to the human situation, you know, definitely it's high all the time. But the truth is, it's higher than... It shouldn't go more than 103 and a half to 104 degrees Fahrenheit. If that, that's, that's about 40 degrees centigrade. If your dog's temperature goes higher than that, or as high as that even, then they're in a little bit of trouble, and it's best to get in there early and cool them down. Okay. Pete Weatherburn, our vet, and uh, Pete's website is petethevet.com.